to episode 108 of the Generation Gaming Podcast. I am your host once again this week. I am Tyler, and I am joined by a good friend of mine. We have Jack. Hey, everybody. Hi. I'm here. How you doing, buddy? <laughs> Dude, I'm doing all right. Like I was saying before, just before we started recording, I felt like I was a little bit sick because of everything else I've been eating today, but it's like, hey, I'm in better condition now than I have been all day, so uh, let's go with it now before I throw up. Okay, cool. <laughs> well, hopefully this goes on long enough so we can hear you throw up. That would be audio gold. <laughs> so, I can, a boy can dream. Um, it's, like we begin to, it's like we begin to talk about Jake or something like that. It's like... <laughs> <laughs> Uh, unfortunately, uh, Jake is not here this week. Um, I don't think you have a problem with, with me saying this. He's been talking about it on Facebook. He had a new job. He is working uh, the third shift, which means he works overnight, which means when we record normally, he is at work um, or about to go to work. So he um, he can't be here this week and maybe longer. I don't know what's going on um, exactly with that. Uh, so we might be changing up recording schedule so the episode might be coming out it usually comes out in the weekend might be coming out mm-hmm. midweek i don't know what we're gonna do as far as that goes uh, we will keep you posted as we know more um but the show must go on uh, let's go ahead and just kind of jump into um unless we have something else to add i don't know no i actually have nothing else to add man just it's just a little bit on un- it's just a little bit unfortunate though but hey, it's uh, our everyday lives and stuff like that. We get new jobs, we get new things and stuff. We're going to be readjusting things shortly, so yeah. just bear with us for these growing pains. Yes, so hopefully he's back soon and we can fix it. Um, but no, like I said, let's move on. Uh, let's jump into some topics. Uh, we got some things to talk about this week. Um, we'll try to, we're will try. we going to talk about some... Uh, there's obviously the big thing that happened, that sadly, this over the weekend. Uh, I think we're going to say that later on to the show, just because we don't really... It'd be kind of weird to talk about that and then move on to other more exciting things, I guess. So we're gonna, <laughs> oh, yeah. so we're gonna just jump into some of the other stuff first. Um, do you want, let's talk about what we've been playing actually before we get into the news. Uh, so Jack, what have we been playing this past week? You know what? I've been playing a like a smorgasbord of who's who type of games. It just comes away from the fact that I've been pretty much bored, just like uh, in general. So I've been going forth and trying to play through some other like uh, various games to see if like, they could just spark my interest. Tried playing Ollie Ollie, got bored after the first couple minutes. Tried going and playing like uh, the a new game that I just bought, Retro Reduce and stuff like that. Got through the couple like the first couple of chapters of it, but uh, I have to be in a mood to really play a good like first person shooter. Yeah. So. I just decided to put it down and stuff. Tried playing uh, Plants vs. Zombies, like Garden Warfare, put that down. But uh, what I didn't put down, and there are a few games that I didn't put down, was uh, I believe you've heard, Tyler, about uh, that Fast and Furious add-on for like uh, Forza Horizon 2, yep. possibly. Yep, 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 yep. Well, here's the thing. It was a game that was offered for free for like Xbox Live uh, members like months ago. And I got around to, like, playing it, oh, man, I think it was, like, uh, last week or the week before. But anyway, I went through, and I played that game, and I really liked what I played. As a matter of fact, I played so much that game that I, after I beat it, after I initially beat it, which, uh, all in all, it was, like, about a five or six hour, like, add-on and stuff, I completed almost every achievement for that game. (laughs) As a matter of fact, after I was done, I made sure to go back and just knocked out the last two that I still had to do. So I got every achievement inside that thing. <laughs> nice. That's something I never do, really. Yeah. It just only happens occasionally. If I really like a game, I mean, the last thing I can remember was possibly going through, like, MotorStorm RC and then getting the Platinum for that. But, uh, yeah, I really liked a lot of the gameplay aspects of it because it really reminded me of the open world type of feel for like Burnout Paradise for a way. Because you're going through, you're going from checkpoint to checkpoint, you're driving to and from if you want. You have the option to warp to your garage and do this and do that. And what's kind of funny about this, and I didn't realize until the end of the game, but uh, the guy that's constantly talking to you from beginning to end is actually ludicrous. Ludicrous. <laughs> <laughs> And I'm thinking, oh my god, that's so cool. I didn't even know that until the very end. It's like, man, I just got I was talking to Ludacris the entire game. <laughs> well, he doesn't have much going on. I think he just does Fast and Furious movies. Well, that's no that's no big shame right there, man. I mean, he was actually pretty decent, you know, inside the game itself. A little bit more enjoyable than the British guy that I'm uh, 
you're taking orders from inside Forza Horizon 2, which is the other game, excuse me, that I've been playing. But, uh, yeah, I actually started to play Forza Horizon 2 because I went through and I finished that Fast and Furious add-on and stuff. And I gotta tell you, though, there were some aspects of the game that are really fun to play. I mean, it's it's pretty much much of the same like I was playing with the other game, only you have a lot more various, like, checklists that you can go through if you want. There's, like, there's like three types of bucket list things where you can go through, beat random times, do random, like, point, like, uh, accumulation type of missions and this and that. It's really fun, but there are some that are absolutely a pain in the ass to uh, accomplish, like... Uh, I have to take this like this one particular model of car. I can't remember the name, unfortunately, but I have to try to race to a specific point and stuff like under I don't know, like about a minute twenty or something like that. And what's kind of what was kind of like uh, hard about that is I have to try to turn this one turn that I have. I have to try to turn right, but I keep on slamming into the fence, <laughs> and I it, it's like one of those like a speed trap ones where you have to be over a specific speed limit in order to pass the one. And it's a real pain in the ass. So I'm trying to drift. I'm trying to do my e-brake and try to slide into the turn, but I'm just, I'm just like going forth and maybe just like doing a smidgen. The closest I've gotten is like two miles per hour under. I'm like, what the hell else do I have to do here? (laughs) However, the main game itself that's based along that Forza Horizon Festival stuff, I feel that's really enjoyable. How enjoyable is it? I would say, well, comparable to other car games I've played, it's, I think it's I'm pretty much up there with uh, probably one of the most enjoyable experiences for, like, racing games. <laughs> because you're going forth, you're going to each type of specific, like, a cl- like class, uh, you know, car class, in order to compete in tournaments, take the top slots here, I think there's over like a, I think there's like over like a hundred something, like, courses and competitions you can possibly go into. It's a very huge game, but uh, yeah, it's definitely something that if you like have an Xbox One, if you are a driving fan, but uh, you're pretty bored by what Microsoft has to offer, just in general. Try something different. Maybe pick up Forza Horizon Two. It's a lot better, I I hear, than actual like Forza Five. But, uh, let's see. The other game that I've been playing a lot of, and I just started last night, is Diablo 3 for the PS4. Now, my previous experience with Diablo was on the PS3 when I played the demo for this very same game. Which I got, like, pretty close to the same part, like, uh, last night. As a matter of fact, I went through and I've gotten further (laughs) last night. And here's here's the good thing about a video game. If I'm really into it and it really sucks me in, I could start maybe like about 9 o'clock and possibly not even realize it's 2 in the morning until like I look at the clock. It's like, okay, I'm going to do this. Now I want to do that. Now I want to do this. The thing about the game that's so interesting is it's it's basically one of those type of looting type of games where you go to like a specific like area, you beat a lot of enemies... You collect lots of loot and stuff like that. And I was jokingly, like, putting, like, comments on Facebook and stuff about uh, how I've gained a lot... I've gained so much loot in the first half an hour of Diablo 3 than than what I've played in certain recent, like, uh, games. (laughs) (coughs) Destiny. (laughs) Oh, my gosh, yeah. And I gotta tell you, though, after playing Destiny for so long and stuff and, like, just grinding so much, it just feels really refreshing to play a game where I feel like I'm getting a lot of good loot early on and then going forth and just uh, completing random stuff. Like, So, yeah. I mean, like, so you feel like you're actually, like, accomplishing something? Yeah. I feel like I really am accomplishing something bit by bit. There's, like, five character classes you can choose from, and they are varied from what I understand. But uh, I chose the Barbarian because it's a basic, like, uh, beatdown type of class. Plus, it's more suited to my style, since I like to really just beat the shit out of stuff and not really think much about it. <laughs> That's how I am, pretty much, in general. <laughs> but uh, I got my Barbarian just, to like, level 11. Just, like, walk down the street and, like, just beat the shit out of people and not think much about it. <laughs> it's basically what I'm doing inside Diablo 3. I'm just beating random, like, uh, demons and random, like, freaking, like, monsters and stuff like that with a freaking, like, swords with axes and stuff. Jack, it's really cool. food badly. <laughs> 
Well, actually, that's like a that's gauntlet. No, that's like a quote from Gauntlet and stuff like that. That's that's like from a fucking dwarf, I think it was. <laughs> Doesn't matter. No, it's it's a top down uh, game, a platforming game. Same thing. <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> anyway, the mission structure is really interesting because you go forth, you it uh, directs you to a certain place where you should go, right? And you're just exploring. It really prompts you to explore the entire area of a map before you get to your checkpoint. And that's exactly what I was doing and exactly the reason why it took so long for me to complete the first part. I'm still in the first act of the game itself, and I think I think that I'm getting close to the final like uh, mission of that act. So, in general, I see there's like about five acts inside this entire game. And if it takes me about three or four hours just to complete one act... Or even more so than that, then, wow, how big is this game? <laughs> yeah, true, and then plus, you know, people, like, put hundreds of hours into that game. Just grinding. I mean, I can understand why that, uh, one of our friends, like, uh, you know, Tim from uh, The Talking Ship, Nerves. Mm-hmm. Like, he's really in-depth, like, really into this game. Him and, uh, Jitterbug and stuff like that. And I can understand why. That game really has an instant gratification thing where... You're playing a little bit of it. You earn little incremental stuff. You can actually earn inventory stuff, or you can actually gift to like other players that play the game itself on your friends list, which is really cool because there are inventory things where it's just like uh, you can actually that's like for your friends, but you can actually send it off to them. You know, it's really it's really interesting how they like uh, did that Blizzard in a way. I mean, Diablo 3 isn't new by any stretch of the imagination. It's been around, like, for at least a couple of years now, but, uh... Oh, this is really my first time I've ever playing, like, in-depth with one of those games, and I'm really having a good time with it. It's... It feels new, it feels different, but at the same time, it feels this, It feels really familiar. Yeah. And it feels like something I'm probably going to put a lot of uh, time into. <laughs> well, that's good, though. You want something that you know, but with a different twist on it. That... Well, exactly. Yeah. And besides, I haven't been really playing anything really in-depth or, like, uh, anything worthwhile over the past month or so. Yeah. It's just been, like, hodgepodge, hod- jump from one game to another, and then if I can, you know, somewhat manage, like, to earn something in Destiny, I probably will, but I haven't touched Destiny since uh, my last uh, playthrough. <laughs> so, anyway, that... Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm just waiting for September, waiting for what else the hell is going to be changing with this stuff if it's just more of the same that i'm not even going to bother but uh anyway that's it for me for like uh what i've been playing so what about you tyler um so i a uh, friend of mine was nice enough to let me borrow his copy of arkham knight batman arkham knight sweet yeah so it, it, it going going into it's kind of weird like going into like when we talk about games because obviously we're not big enough where we get like any free games from anybody we don't get like you know uh you know games in advance to review or anything like that we pay for our own games so this game it's it's harder sometimes i feel like it's it's the most pure because i didn't invest anything into it so i don't feel like any obligation to do extra things in the game i don't feel like i need to do whatever to get as many hours out of it so i feel like i get my investment was worth it um mm-hmm. but at the same time i feel like i don't judge the games as harshly when i when i don't spend as much money out space Something like Order 1886. I feel like if I would have spent the 60 bucks on that, I'd look at it much more harshly. And because I mm-hmm. got it through Gamefly, for I spent $1 for the month of Gamefly. Uh, it's one of my favorite games this year. So, mm. with Arkham Knight, I got it for free, that being said. So, I don't really know where I was going with that. I just feel like I just want to mention that. It's like I feel weird sometimes trying to review, like talk about these games, my thoughts on them. Because I, feel, I look at them case by case. It's just really weird. Um, but going into Arkham Knight... Um, I thought this game was fantastic. Uh, really? Yes. So, because I think I didn't spend the $60 on it, I didn't feel obligated to do any of the side stuff that most open world games feel like they're just, they're just thrown in there and they're boring and repetitive. You're just doing like the, the same eight different, there's like eight different side missions where you're just doing the same thing over and over and over again. Um, so I didn't feel really obligated to do that. I did a couple of them, not a lot, a couple of side missions. Just kind of figure out what they are. Some are kind of fun. Some are okay. Um, but for this, I just kind of plowed through the main story. 
Um, and I will say I am surprised how long the story was. I would say it's, I mean, I didn't time it. I would say probably 12, I feel like about 12 hours or so. Maybe That's pretty good length. Maybe a little longer, uh, which is pretty good for open world game. So there's some open world games after you play, it's like you could beat the, the main story in like five hours. They just want you like Skyrim. You can beat the main story in Skyrim in like an hour and a half if you just go straight to the areas you need to go to. Um, yep. Bethesda's really well known for that where they have a handful of main story missions, but there's 10,000 other really, I mean, those are really great games, so don't get me wrong, but they have 10,000 side missions you can do. Um, so, no, the 12 hours is great. The story is by far the best. Um, it does it does kind of continue on from Asylum and um, City, which is really great. Mm-hmm. It really does feel like kind of the end of the trilogy, the way that the whole game was built up towards. So in this, um, Scarecrow is the main bad guy. And mm-hmm. he threatens to release his poison toxin in the city. Um, so he gives everybody 24 hours to leave the city, uh, which is a good way to get around the fact that you're like, you know, like how to get around the city with this, with the, like a Batman game in like a live city doesn't really fit. So it's a good way to get around that where like basically the city is abandoned. The only people in it are like criminals and cops. Um, so you don't feel as bad when like um, you're hitting everybody in sight with the Batmobile. <laughs> It took a little bit to get used to, used to that because you're so used to like in like a Grand Theft Auto, like trying to avoid hitting people, and this one mm-hmm. is the exact opposite. It's just like it doesn't matter. Like you just you probably really just want to hit people because they're they're bad guys. Um, but so with that though, with this, I thought the main story was just was fantastic. It, it's told very very well. That's kind of a minor spoiler. It happens in the first probably two hours into the game, um, mm-hmm. but. Um, Batman gets hit with a little bit of the toxin from um, Scarecrow, right. and he starts seeing. So also, Joker—he's dead. He dies in the of city. Um, it's, mm. The game starts off with you uh, burning his corpse, um, but with the toxins released, he starts seeing Joker everywhere, and like he sees him oh in his mind. God. So and it's just like it's just really great to see. Um, it's just it's he is like the highlight of that of that game to me is Joker. Like, it's just, like, you, like, just wandering through, with, just walking down the hallway or something like that, and he's talking to you, telling you, he's, like, he's basically trying to be, like, he's kind of, like, that devil on your, like, you see, like, in TV shows, like, they're the angel and the, and the devil on your on your shoulder. He's, like, the yeah. devil on your shoulder, and he's just, like, why do you care about these people? Like, why don't you just do this? Why just let them die or something like that? And he's, like, but just, you know, with the Joker twist on it, and it's it's hilarious. Um, it's pretty great. I, I I really enjoyed pretty much any scene that Joker is involved in is fantastic, and he's involved mm-hmm. in most of the story. So I really loved it, especially with this kind of this, um, I don't really want to talk. It's hard to talk too much about it because it definitely spoils some stuff. Um, as far as there's more to him than that, but there's also um, the main another main bad guy is Arkham Knight. He's a brand new character to this game. Um, and it's just kind of the whole game is built around who is this guy. His like mission is to kill Batman, and it's mm. like his, it's his whole goal. And, like he's the one that helps fund. He like gets this like army to come and take over the city. And you like have to fight these drones. <clears throat> but as far as like the, the gameplay goes, um, like the gameplay, it's more the the bat the Batman fighting mm. style, which is really great for what it is. Um, I feel like I, I could use a break from it still. Like, because so many games have taken that and put a little twist on it. Most of them aren't nearly as good as this, obviously. But um, so many games have done it, so it feels kind of overdone. But still, it still feels good in Batman because you're Batman. Um, it's never <laughs> not good to be Batman. <clears throat> Very but true. But with the whole the Batman well, Batmobile thing, um, people have been pretty rough on the the Batmobile, and at first, um, I did not like it. Um, like it felt the first few hours of the game, it felt like I'd say maybe the first quarter of the game, um, like if like you've used it a lot, and you kind of, you still use it quite a bit throughout the rest of the game, but it felt like in the first quarter, like they just like made you use it constantly, and excuse me, um, I I did not like it. It felt kind of shoehorned in, um, but once you kind of after a while, when it was kind of more spread out, it's fun to play like use the Batmobile. Um, and drive around in and just like some of the battles you get into with some of the big drones in the tanks around the city um, but like w- when it was it was so much in the beginning that I'm just like is the whole game going to be like this 
because this will ruin the game for me. Uh, but really, for just doing it in the story, it was fine. Um, where after you get past that, really after you get past the first big um, scene in like this nuclear power plant, um, like it, does, it kind of spreads out a little bit more. Um, it's not so bad. Uh, I would say they, they talk about the Batmobile is like it, it makes it easier to get around the city. It really, it really doesn't. Just just use the Bat Claw and just like you know coast across the whole town. You can you get places a lot faster in that. Plus, you have to deal with fights if you just want to get to point A to B. Um, it is great for that, but no, I um, mm. with Art Batman Arkham Knight, I loved it. I don't know if it's it's my favorite um, story in the in the trilogy by far. Uh, I still think I like Asylum more, just because I like some of the Metroidvania style of it and the big boss battles. And there really wasn't a big, there really wasn't any. There's a couple of boss battles, but like nothing to the level of what Arkham Asylum had. Um, but no, uh, I think it's. I mean, everybody's saying it, I think, but it, I think it's a it's a buy for anybody. Um, some of the side stuff mm. is pretty cool, um, but if you just want to get the story, it's definitely the sixty bucks. I think it's worth it for sixty bucks for the story. Uh, but I would. So would you think that maybe it's like better than like say Arkham City, pretty much? Um, yeah, I would say it's better than City. Um, definitely better than City. Uh, I do like some of the some side quests more. And from what I played in, in Arkham Knight, I liked them a little more. Um, the city is uh, Gotham is a lot, I like that a lot more than Arkham and uh, Arkham City. Uh, it, the game looks gorgeous, by the way, too. Uh, and like I said, the story is fantastic, and the Batmobile stuff is kind of fun. It's fun for what it is. It's not, it's not the highlight of the game, but it's for what it is. It's fun. Like it doesn't break the game, mm-hmm. which is what I think a lot of us were worried about. And some people are kind of right. saying it's, it is, but it's it's not that bad. Um, but I'm kind of with you now, like kind of where you said, like the past month you've been trying to find something to play. Uh, I'm kind of like, like, I got like a looking at my pile of shame. I got like Tales of Borderlands. I'm like two, an episode behind on Game of Thrones. Episode five comes out next week. I'm still on episode three. Uh, I got freaking Journey coming out next week. Uh, I got some, a few other games I could play. So I'm I'm probably gonna be doing what you're doing. I'm probably just like the next few weeks. Or so I'm just gonna kind of jump into a bunch of stuff and trying to catch up on some of that stuff uh, before the big games come out um, in a few weeks. Right. Plus, I want to before um, Phantom Pain comes out in September. I want to spend a bunch of time in uh, Ground Zeroes and do a bunch of side stuff in that because um, I think the more side stuff you do, you actually unlock stuff in the main game. Yeah. So I'm gonna be spending a bunch of time. I think of that sometime probably like mid-August or something. But uh, let's go ahead and jump into some of our topics. Uh, okay. First up, uh, PlayStation. PlayStation is having what they're calling the PlayStation Store Play 2015. It starts this Tuesday. Uh, they're going to have every Tuesday for the next four weeks um, a pretty big uh, d- d- digital-only game. Uh, Journey comes out this Tuesday. It is uh, it's fifteen dollars. But if you're PlayStation, if you pre-order it um, and you're a PS Plus member. It is twelve dollars. Pretty much, if you pre-order it, it's twenty percent off. So I already mm-hmm. went ahead and pre-ordered it. I've been wanting to play this game since like two thousand twelve when it first came out. It's kind of interesting how they're offering it like about five dollars cheaper than what it was originally on the PS3, which it was like about twenty bucks. It was twenty bucks. Yep. Um, I, I think I think it makes sense. It's a port. Um, so I, I guess I can understand from that standpoint. Uh, it makes sense. Uh, it's been out for a long time. Plus, I mean, if you had it on PS3, you're getting it for free. Right. So it's not a bad deal. I got, it's 12 bucks. I got it for 12 bucks with the discount, so I'm happy with that. I was ex- fully expecting to pay 20 So to get it for 40% off, I'm happy with that. Yeah. Uh, on next Tuesday, July 28th, we're getting in plus plus. It is a, kind of a fast-paced action side-scroller. Uh, that's 20 bucks, but it's $16 with the discount. Galaxy is coming out um, on the August 4th. Uh, that is 20 bucks, but $16 with discount once again. Uh, that is kind of a 2D side-scroller um, space shooter game. And then the other one comes out um, on August 11th. Everybody's gone to the Rapture. 20 bucks, but $16 with the discount. Um, I have watched probably an hour of gameplay on this game. I'm really excited for it, and I don't know what it is. So <laughs> I don't think anybody knows what exactly what it is. Like, it's like an adventure game of some form. Yeah, it's like it's like you're in an abandoned city, I think, somewhere in Europe, 
Um, and you keep seeing like these weird orbs everywhere. Um, hmm. Yeah. Oh, it's made by the people that made uh, Dear Esther. Uh, so, oh, okay. Yeah, so it's got some uh, name behind it. Uh, no, but uh, if you buy, I think if you, if you buy two, yeah, you buy two of those or more, um, and you buy them by August 18th, you will get a coupon for 10% off an entire cart purchase on PlayStation on your PS4, but you have to use the code by September 30th. So not a bad oh. deal. Um, I was going to probably buy, uh, I've already bought Journey, I'm probably going to buy Everybody's Gone to the Rapture. Uh, so... Not a bad deal. So are you interested in any of these games, though? Well, you know what? M++ really kind of uh, draws my attention because it's the sequel to the game that was on Xbox Live Arcade all those years ago, N+, you know. And uh, the thing about it is I'm kind of wondering, I think we've only seen like little tidbits of it from its like uh, unveil. I think it was like a few years ago. And uh, it's sort of like stealthfully just goes ahead and just, uh, you know, it's coming out now, which is really surprising. Since we've heard nothing about it at all for the past like year or so, yeah, you could so. you could say the same about uh, Journey though. We haven't heard about that in like two years, and now all of a sudden, hey, it's up, it's coming next week. Yeah, I know. I don't really like that kind of aspect, but uh, yeah, that's that's interesting. I mean, obviously, the Rapture thing kind of like uh, is sort of interesting as well, since I don't know hardly anything about it either. So yeah, uh, that, that might be worth a pick up a little bit later down the line. Yeah. I don't know, but I know you've already. You said you bought Journey on the PS3, so you'd be getting it for free. Yep. So, are you thinking you'll go oh, yeah. through that again? Possibly. You know, I've <laughs> I've played through that. And my initial playthrough of it is something that's really impact was really impactful since I played through the entire thing all the way, like from beginning to end, with that couple hour like uh, you know two to three hour like stuff, which I did. And uh, man, that was some fucking hell of experience, though, man. Just mm. yeah, I'm I'm a little nervous because. I've been excited about playing this game for like three years. I'm worried <laughs> it's like a little bit of the hype, but I have like I have purposely not watched anything on this. I've seen screenshots and some like little like one minute teaser videos here and there, but I've never yeah, watched. Be in for a treat. Yeah, I've never watched gameplay sure. videos. Never watched anything on this purposely just because I want. I didn't want anything ruined for me in this game. So mm-hmm. I am extremely excited for that. Um, I think you'll be really surprised by the game as well. Yeah, let's hope so. I know like the whole thing where like. You play with another person, but you don't actually know like who they are. It's just like a random person, and they can That's right. jump in and out at any time. You don't know. I, that was one of the most coolest parts about my first experience with Journey, though, because the person I was playing with played with me for the entire duration of the game. Yeah. That was about two or three hours straight. Wow. <laughs> That's pretty impressive. Yeah. Uh, but moving on, um, starting... This August, uh, basically once Gears of War Ultimate Edition comes out, um, it will be the free, the new free pack-in game with the Xbox One. Um, mm. It comes with a digital code, obviously. Uh, but I think that starts... Um, I don't know about the date, but it's I know it's in August. Uh, but that one will be replacing the Halo Collector Edition um, p- uh, pack-in game. So And also the Assassin's Creed one. So... I don't know. I think that's pretty cool. Uh, August twenty sixth is when that when is when that starts. Uh, that's pretty cool. Um, mm. I think uh, it's kind of smart because it's it was pretty smart. They did it last year. I thought with the Halo Master Chief Collection right before Christmas. Um, it's your biggest game of the fall coming out, and you have you know it's it's now it's free plus the Xbox One being three fifty, and you had a sixty dollars game with four games in it. Uh, that's a really great deal. Uh, I think that's smart to add the new one now. I think maybe like they've kind of hit the peak and hit like their max selling with uh, the the Halo Master. I think if someone really wanted Xbox One and Master Chief Collection, they bought it already. Now, mm-hmm. so to get the new one in there, Gears of War Ultimate Edition, that's probably the most tempting bundle I've seen so far for me. Um, I don't. Know. I think that's great. Uh, what about you? Well, it goes in line with uh, Gears of uh, War Four being. Uh possibly released next year so that's a smart idea by microsoft yeah i mean hell the remake of gears of war comes out not uh, too long from now yeah like about another month or so yeah august 26th yep just like a, over like another month and 10 yeah like about like around a month yeah i'll say so yeah it's a really good decision by microsoft because they're going ahead they're putting the game inside like a 40 dollar value inside they're already like what 350 console 350 dollar console yep possibly and uh, 
well, yeah, they probably already figured, like what you were saying, you know, everybody's got the Halo Master Chief collection. The big Halo game drops this uh, this October. Plus, uh, Assassin's Creed Unity, yeah, they're not going to do anything much with the no. Assassin's Creed bundles. <laughs> no. So that was a smart move by them. But, uh, but yeah, that's a great enticing offer for somebody, especially if they're a big Gears of War fan. Like, say, you're, like, obviously Tyler here, where if he were to buy that bundle, like, for a good price, say, like, on a Black Friday and that game came with it, he would be more inclined to not only get it, but possibly play through the entirety of Gears of War with people. Yeah. <laughs> No, definitely. Like that is true. That's true for me. Like I said, that's most most tempting bundle for me personally. Um, also, like you said, Gears of Wars, the new Gears of Wars, supposed to come out next year. Um, so mm-hmm. it's a good idea to basically when people are buying your console, if they're buying it, you know, getting it for Christmas or whatever, they have the they have a Gears of War game in there. So even if they've never played it before, which I don't know how many people haven't, but you know, we're kind of we're in a new generation now. The game's ten years old. There's a whole mm-hmm. you know. Probably there might be a whole generation of kids out there that never played that game that were, you know, two, three, four years old when that game came out, and now they're teenagers. Now they can play this game. Um, yep. I'm not sure if it's exactly the best idea to be trying to get the teenagers to play Gears of War, but whatever. Um, it gets fine. It's just really gory. Um, just a lot of blood. But um, no, that's great because it's gonna you're gonna you're gonna get a whole new generation of potentially Gears of War fans out there. And then I, oh, yeah, I imagine man. eventually they're gonna. I'm surprised. I'm still surprised they didn't do this the whole Gears of War game, all three. I'm trilogy. actually, uh, I'm actually not surprised because that's a good like opportunity moment for them, especially if they want to go back and remake Gears Two, Gears Three, especially if they're making an entirely new trilogy out of this Gears franchise. Yeah. Well, initially, what I was thinking though, when when I first heard they were only making the Gears of War One Ultimate Edition, was that I was thinking Gears of War Four is probably gonna be Spring 2017. In spring mm-hmm. 2016, they can release Gears of War 2 Ultimate Edition, and then the yep. fall of 2016, they can release the Gears of War 3 Ultimate Edition. Like, I basically just separate them out through six months. That makes sense. And then just, like, you could do whatever with Judgment. No one really cares about Judgment. Hell, I picked that up, too, because, uh, guess what? I'm having some odd nostalgia for Gears of War, and I've been really tempted to try to go back into it. Yeah. No, it's, <laughs> that's a great freaking game. Uh, but no, that's, I think that's awesome. Uh, I hope there's no deals for good deals coming up this Black Friday for um, Xbox One because I'll probably end up buying one and I'll regret it because I don't have the money. <laughs> I'm, I'm broke. Uh, but moving on, uh, so kind of a weird development coming out here lately with uh, the the um, Nintendo exclusive Wii U exclusive game. Uh, Art of damn, I forgot Devil's Third. I'll forget the name for a second. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> so that game has been pretty. Well publicized, not it's not like like the one of the top publicized games, but they talked about it. it was that it was a it had a kind of a big section at um, E3 2014 for Nintendo. It's been kind of kept in the news lately, and uh, there's rumor now, um, not really confirmed. Nintendo said they were going to talk about it, but they haven't talked about it. Um, it's been going on for about a week now, where the Devil's Third is coming to Europe. Um, I believe it's coming to Japan as well in August. And, but there was never, like this was announced a few months ago that this was coming out in uh, Europe and Japan, but there was never a date given to North America just to be decided. Well, it's kind of come out that Nintendo is not going to um, publish this game in North America, that they will, they will, they will publish it for Europe and Japan, uh, but not, not us in North America. So there's a chance we might, we might never see this game. Um, and there's also, a, you know, there's a chance that, uh, they can get somebody else to help them publish this game and get it over here to us. Um, but it's kind of surprising for as much uh, time and money and publicity they've given this game, especially to us um, over here in North America. And to maybe not give us a game is weird. What about you? What do you think? Well, I think that they will eventually go ahead and bring Devil's Third over to uh, North America because, hell, they hardly have any type of, like, other than, like, say, their major stuff that they got going, maybe Yoshi's Woolly World, like Mario Maker, Star Fox, and stuff like that, they really need another, like, game to actually fill out their fall lineup, and possibly early 2016. So, you know, here's the thing, though, about Devil's Third. I got done watching a little bit of gameplay footage from uh, the website Nintendo Life, since they actually had a copy, they got a chance to preview some of the gameplay stuff of uh, Devil's Third, and the game itself is more or less sort of like a... Like a, it's sort of like a, 
like a B movie type of action film and stuff like that with uh, heavy like heavy action stuff like that. It it looks like a third person a third person action game with like with shooting elements with like uh elements of like say beat 'em ups and stuff like that. It looks really it actually looks pretty fun to tell you the honest truth. I'm not sure I would spend 60 bucks on it, but it's like uh the quality wise I may I may see why Nintendo may not want to publish it because there were certain like rumor disputes of uh, the Treehouse employees about whether or not the quality concerns were there. But, to be perfectly quite honest and stuff like that, I think with uh, enough enough of, like, uh, support from maybe their fans or something like that, it will probably be one of those underrated type of games where people will buy it. Maybe a lot of them may not like it at first, but uh, it's really the type of game I got the feel of where you're probably going to be in some, some form of a mood where you're just accepting it for what it is, which is pretty much like an action movie sort of ripoff deal. Yeah, <laughs> I feel like it, it could be this generation's Nintendo's Red Steel. Where it could be. necessarily wasn't a great game, but it had its appeal to it. Um, it kind of has some of the same graphical style as Red Steel 2. Um, but this game's kind of been in development hell for the last few years. Like It was, supposed to, it was a THQ yes. game, and then when THQ went out of business... Um, it was supposed to be a 360 and PS3 game. Like that's how long they've been working on this. Yep. Um, it, Nintendo just kind of picked it up, you know, from out of nowhere, um, and said, that, "Hey, we'll pay for this game." Um, I was thinking that it could be this year's Bane of the Two, uh, but I wouldn't be surprised to find out this game is probably. I wouldn't be surprised to find out if it's not very good. Like I could see this mm. game. Like I, I think at best this game will probably be like you'll be seeing like a lot of seven out of tens. Which isn't a bad, but I, I think that's part of the peak you'll see for this. But I can kind of understand maybe why Nintendo is not interested in maybe doing a full publishment over here to us. If you look at a lot of their... Like, Bayonetta 2, as much as people claim they wanted that game, that game only sold a couple hundred thousand copies in North America. Um, <laughs> yeah, it goes into like a specific pattern with certain Nintendo fans like claiming that they want to buy this game and do this and do that. Maybe, like, get over a couple million only have, like, a few hundred thousand actually buying and following through. Yeah, well, I think part of it is the fact that it's on the Wii U. If it was on the PS4 and Xbox One, Bayonetta 2 probably would have sold a couple, three million copies. Um, I mean... If that, Well, Bayonetta, mean, Bayonetta 1 sold over two million copies, so... Yeah, but it wasn't really, like, enough to really warrant its sequel, even on the other systems. I mean, Sega didn't even really go forth with Bayonetta 2 up until, like, uh... Nintendo took over and for like publishing things for that game. Yeah, until so. Nintendo basically paid for it. But no, I mean there was there was definitely an audience that wanted that's claiming for that game, um, and yep. it happened. I mean it just it wasn't a system seller like I think Nintendo was hoping it would be. I don't think I think they see Double Stirred as probably it's a it's a step below being in the two as far as there's not really as much appeal for that game as obviously Bayonetta is. Uh, so I, I wouldn't be I could understand it. I don't think this game is. I think if they've sent it over here, they'd probably be happy if it sold a hundred thousand copies. Um, and maybe it's just not worth the investment and the time to do to bother doing it. Um, but no, it sucks. I mean, I'm just kind of surprised that they're you know six months out from when it's supposed to be released. That I mean, if this rumor is true, I mean, it could change by the time this podcast comes out. They could finally tell us what, what's going on with it. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, I can't really blame Nintendo for it. It's it's probably not worth the investment. But then I guess you can argue why would they bother paying the probably millions of dollars it costs to get this game done they're the going place. to put it out sooner or later that's what i would think because if they put in and invested that much into it yeah and if it's still like not up to its full potential or something like that they could go ahead and just say okay we'll just release it like then and then of itself and stuff maybe get another developer to try to go ahead and uh not not a developer but get like another like publisher or something to publish the game in yeah. and of itself to not try to waste more resources into it as it is but uh yeah, you know, it's definitely the type of game, I think, that uh, it's going to appeal to maybe a niche amount of people that uh, when it does come out. At the same time, though, I do kind of feel like I want to play it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I, was, I would think at least just if you're going to, if, if you don't want to do physical copies, maybe just put it on the on the eShop for us. Yep. I mean, it's, it would basically cost them nothing to, to do it. I mean, it's already being made for Europe so there's not really much of a difference in, in translation so you don't have to do much there so you could, it would cost you pennies to put it on there so I, I'm, I'm surprised you know, maybe put on there maybe a $40 game on the eShop it wouldn't be a bad way to go um, 
but who knows? I mean, I'm sure we'll hear more um, in, in the coming weeks. It could be, like you said, it could be a, a game early to be either exclusive for them early 2016 because um, we really don't have anything planned really for 2016 yet for the, from them. Right. So who knows? Well, I'm. But like I said, we'll probably hear more from them in the coming weeks. Um, also, coming August 19th to the PS4 is the Call of Duty Black Ops 3 Beta. Um, if you mm. want to get into it, it's not very hard. All you gotta do is pre-order the game, or you can do what I did. I think I mentioned it a while back. Just pre-order the game on Amazon. Amazon will email you a code. You go on. I think. Uh, I think I don't know what the I can't remember what the website was. But you go on the website. You put the code in. Uh, you're in the beta. You tell them like your information for like your PS4, and then you just cancel your pre-order, and you're in, you're in, the, in the you're in there. So it's pretty. You know, if you want to, you don't want to put five bucks down at GameStop or something. You could do it that way. Um, mm-hmm. But no, that is coming to. They said it was going to come. The beta was going to come to PS4 first, so it's coming August 19th. It's only open until the 23rd, so you got five days. Hopefully, you're not out of town those five days if you're a big fan. Um, there is no kind of announcement yet for Xbox One, but I wouldn't be surprised if it's like probably shortly after, like a week or two later, that we'll, they'll be getting that. But um, no, I'm actually fairly excited. I'm in, like I said, I'm in the beta. Um, mm-hmm. Jack, you should probably pre-order this game on Amazon and get your code and then cancel it so we can play together. <laughs> Maybe. Well, so I'm curious, what's kind of your interest level? And in, I know you haven't played a Call of Duty in a while, but like, are you interested in this one at all? I mean, have you played Black Ops 1 and 2? I played the original Black Ops. I think uh, last game I actually played through Call of Duty-wise was the original Black Ops on PS3. Mm. Wasn't interested in Black Ops 2. I got it for the Wii U, played it for about an, almost half an hour. I was infamous about that, and I just was uninterested, and I got rid of the game later on. But uh, my interest in Call of Duty Black Ops 3 right now is just kind of like on borderline stuff, because it's one of those other type of games and stuff where I know... I'm not going to enjoy a lot of the multiplayer stuff on my own because I hate playing online shooters by myself. <laughs> but, uh, well, I can always give this one a chance, too. It's true. But, no, uh, it's pretty cool. I'm excited. Can't wait. That's something to do in August for a weekend. So, yay for that. Um, but let's go ahead, I guess, and get into kind of the, I guess, the downer part of the episode. Um so obviously it's been talked about uh, pretty much all week uh, but Mr. Satoru Iwata uh, passed away due to complications with uh, cancer uh, I believe Saturday um, I'm not sure if it, well Saturday for us here in North America I believe it was um, for our Sunday to them I'm not sure I can't remember exactly how it works but uh, he unfortunately passed away it wasn't announced so really, it was really weird it's late Sunday night um, over a day later um, but no uh, it's just a really it's depressing depressing time for really for I, I think gamers all around I, I think there's a, a lot of people out there and I really didn't even know about um, some of the things Iwata has done um, in his time obviously now that he's, he's passed people are telling more stories and we're hearing more about it and things are being brought back to light that were kind of like you haven't heard about in a long time, but um, I think there is going to be something that um, it's going to leave a giant gap in the video game world for a long time. I don't, and I don't really know how to, um, like how how you feel that void. What about where, where were you? So I'm curious how how did you feel like when you first heard about it? Well, you know what? I just got through with work on Sunday, and I just managed to turn on my computer. Well. Actually, it wasn't really my computer. I turned on my iPod. I was checking out things on Tumblr, and all of a sudden I see an image of Satoru Iwata, like a fan art thing, saying, rest in peace. I'm like, what? No. No, 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 no. What the hell did I just miss? Powered on my computer. Look at the articles. like, holy shit, this is actually real. This is very sad. It's like, it's just, uh, I was just felt really shocked at first, but at the same time, it's like, the there wasn't very much information in regards to like his overall like health and stuff, which we were left with the impression that he was doing well after like his uh, surgery that he had, like uh, you know, like over a year ago. Yeah, last, it was like Rob, during that E3, last E three. Yep, he couldn't make E three because of it last year. That bile duct growth, yep. which end up like uh, 
being like the ultimate cause of his uh, death and stuff like that, since it was a cancerous like growth and it eventually like just went through and uh, took its course. Yeah. Hmm. I don't. Know, I, I was kind of with you when I first heard about. It, I was like, I was a little shocked. I'm just like, I was just like, not not the president of Nintendo, right? And then I just kind of went on Twitter and I'm just I've seen all these people uh, talking about it. Um, and I, I mean, it was like. For a guy that I'd never met, it was very depressing. Um, it was really weird. Like, uh, for everybody else, and especially, like, people like fans of Nintendo, fans of PlayStation, fans of every video game, like, Circle and stuff like that, were, like, just ultimately felt like they were affected by this loss. It's because this guy has just been so instrumental with just his nature of, like, what the type of games that he helped develop to what he helped code and stuff, what he helped like, bring forth and stuff, because he was the type of person where he was a gamer at heart, and he wanted to go and put forth, like, uh, his honest effort to bring fun types of video games to the people that he was appealing to for Nintendo in general. And you could see it in time, the games that were re- have been released ever since, like, he took his role as president back in 2002. It's like, oh, boy, like, 2001, 2002. Yeah, I think but, it's 2002. Uh, yeah. Yeah, but yeah, man, crazy. It, like, <laughs> as much as like people complain about the kind of the the shitty people on the internet, and just like I'll go online a lot and I'll just see people, and I'm just like, oh, I hate. Why do I? Why do I go on here? Um, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> like Sunday night and Monday morning, going on like Twitter and Facebook was. I mean, if you if you want to find a positive out of this, it was just to see the kind of the flood of just like cool people saying great things about a great man uh, that did yeah. great things for this business that he was, he went into it into the eighties when it wasn't, this wasn't like in the eighties, this the video game market was, was really small, the, was really small. And like it died at like just a few years earlier. So it wasn't like it was this big burgeoning like market. It was just like, this thing was kind of, fluctuating like at any point in time it can just go away forever um and just to hear what people like just to read twitter to read what people are saying telling stories about them uh to see like sony uh microsoft platinum uh greg miller giant bomb just every big you know personality in video gaming and company say something nice um and you know acknowledge the fact that what why it happened um which doesn't you know, it doesn't really happen all that often. Like no. sometimes you hear, like even like when sometimes when celebrities die or like a, an athlete dies or whatever, uh, a, a musician dies. Like there's always those asshats on there making like jokes about something about like like a stupid but, pun about about them and their death or whatever. Yeah, exactly, Tyler. But the thing about it is, this death was different because a lot of us gamers from everywhere have grown have grew up mm-hmm. playing games that were influenced by Shitoro Iwata in one form of another. Yeah. For example, Pokemon Gold and Silver. That whole Kanto region wouldn't have never been added on there if Satoru Iwata hadn't have flattened down that file to, uh, you know, condensed that game file to the certain extent to where they could add in more content to that game. Yep. So it would have been an entirely different type of experience yep. to play that. And even, like, back when he was, like, doing roles in Pokemon Stadium and stuff like that, it took him a week to adapt that, uh, the thing from Gold and Silver and what, not Gold and Silver, but, like, to adapt a lot of the Pokemon stuff and program it up into Pokemon Stadium for the N64, man. It's just, this guy was just like a freaking workaholic, but yet he was a skilled programmer and yeah. knew how games worked, how games felt and, that's, and stuff like that. And you can't really, yeah. I mean, no offense to any other CEOs or whatever of any other company, like big in gaming, but no other company has that. Like, as like, nope. nobody has that CEO, that president, the guy, like the, like the head honchos of the company that kind of built himself up. He started at HAL as a, as a, as a programmer and he helped make Kirby mm-hmm. games. He, he saved earthbound. Uh, yep. earthbound was so broken. He, but he actually, he was the only one that fixed, he could figure out how to fix the game so it can ship. Yep. Um, you look at, he's the reason we have super smash brothers. Like, um, mm-hmm. he's the big proponent of like, he wanted that game made. He made it made. He made it happen. That game wasn't going to make it to launch, uh, make it the holiday season. It was gonna get delayed because, the coders couldn't figure out how to get the code to work. It was just, it was a mess. And he went in there as general manager of Nintendo and went in and freaking fixed it. Like, 
That's that's yeah. insane to me. He was the general manager of Nintendo. You look at, you can say what you want about the DS and the Wii, like as far as you know, uh, hardcore gamers go. Like it's not our favorite system, but you look at business perspective. Business, those are the two biggest selling consoles, uh, and and they're respected as far as handheld and home consoles go. The two highest selling yeah. of all time. Nothing sold more. Uh, the, the Nintendo DS sold over 100 million. The Wii sold over 100 million. Like they had lightning in a bottle twice in like a three year span with those things. Yes, um, because of this man, yeah, consoles like the Wii and the DS probably would not have taken off without his influence with us. Yeah, well, you know? I think the DS, I think, was already kind of on its way to being announced by the time. Right. And because I think it came out in 2003, but he took over in 2002. So I, obviously, I think it's been, but still, like he was. When he took over, he was on board for it. He probably did some things to help make it become what it was. Um, so, I mean, it, it sucks because like he talks about like, he has that famous quote where he says um, his business card says he's the president. He's a president in his mind. He's he's a developer in his heart. He's a gamer, um, and he he stuck by that. He was he just seemed like a generally really good dude. Like he's the kind of person like I feel like if I would have saw him at E three. And I wanted to sit. If I could sit down and talk to him for an hour, it would be a really wonderful yeah. conversation. If we could just talk about video games or whatever, yeah, I think I would enjoy it. He just seems like, like just a really great person. Like he just feels like he he loves his fans. He he he's very um, sensible to he he make, he puts himself out there in the public. Uh, he doesn't hide behind anything. He's he's done those that you ought to ask. He's on the directs. Uh, you could say the directs is probably I think what. In the past few years is what like makes him stick out more, just because um, he's he's been the, kind of the face of them for the last couple since the beginning yeah. of them. Um, so the, I I'm a big I love the directs. I always look forward to when they're coming out. Um, I can't. I'm excited for the next one because I want to see. There's gonna be you know gonna there be has something to big, be something. And I there has to be something they... at least big or something like that. You know because this uh, this will be the first one without him obviously, but this is gonna be something that's gonna yeah. be hopefully going to reshape what Nintendo's focus because they lost one of their main visionaries there. So I'm really concerned mm-hmm. what the hell type of direction they're going to be going into as a company. I mean, it's not going to be that yeah. easy to replace somebody of the caliber of Satoru Iwata and stuff like that. I mean, yeah, with Yamauchi and stuff like that passing on and stuff, at least they had time to pass the torch over to Iwata then and there when he was ready. Yeah. Now it's just like a well, main just, you know... It's like chaos, sort of. Yamauchi was, he was still, he, he didn't pass. I know, I know, I know. Ago, so he was still around for 10 years. So they had plenty to, I mean, I imagine with this, they've kind of, they probably put a, a successor plan in place when he first started getting sick right. last year. Um, so they probably had something. They had in, to have had some sort of previous putting, knowledge. Um, and pretty much when he passed away, they, they announced um, Miyamoto and um, I can't remember the other guy's name, like Tenka or. Oh man, I can't remember. I'm sorry, I can't can't, remember it either. I'm spacing his name, but um, those two are going to be basically taking over the company on an interim basis um, until taking somebody in there. So obviously, they're they're bringing in people that have been in within the company. They're not hiring without. Um, They're not going outside the company. So these they're going to have the same people that probably have the same vision. They're on board with what they're doing. They know everything that's going on. They know the plan. So I think. I mean, I think for as far as Nintendo goes, I think the next. three to five years, um, we might not be a big change. It's kind of like the Steve Jobs with um, Apple. Like right now, I mean, everybody talked about with Steve Jobs, he had like a five, ten year yep. plan. So we're still in that, like when he passed away a couple years ago, we're still like in that kind of what his vision was true. for Apple. And I feel like with um, Nintendo, um, when the index comes out, I think we're still going to have the same vision. It's going to be, maybe it won't be exactly what Iwata was could have made it, you know, could have made it. Um, I, I think we're not really going to fully notice um, kind of the big change in Nintendo as far as how well this company is without him, how great of a visionary he was until probably 2000 and probably not until 2020 something. Like we might, we maybe it could be sooner. We never know. Uh, but I really think we're not going to notice the full effect of how, how much, um, positive how much greatness he brought mm-hmm. to this company for a long time to come which um i hope that this company um has Miyamoto's taken over but who knows i mean does he how great of a businessman he is he's great at making games he's great at that vision but who knows how good he is on the mm. business side um but so i I'm, I'm not worried about nintendo now um 
but I I would be say I'm concerned about them in five years. Like where are they gonna where are they gonna be exactly? In five years? Are they just gonna be another company that's like been doing the same thing as they have been doing? Are they gonna go more corporate route with like certain free to play stuff? Whether NX and stuff like that, it's just really up in the air at the moment. But at the same time, I kind of believe that they are going to still focus upon what uh, Iwata's like uh, plan was for like, the future stuff for the next maybe five years, possibly. But uh, it's going to take some sort of like uh, major shift or something like that for them to really like get back on track in terms of what they're at right now i mean right now they're faced with a successful platform with a 3ds but a wii u system that's just been mostly just labeled as commercial failure from here on out and uh so we basically got like another year or so before they even well not like another year well close to another year until they actually divulge information on the nx and who knows what the hell the system's even going to be is it we don't even know information on that. They are very secretive. We don't even know if it's a system. They've been like, yeah, we don't even know if it's a system. We probably don't even, will even know this until maybe next E3, you know? It's just, Nintendo was so fucking out of the blue with a lot of their information that uh, it left leaves a lot of us, like, just wondering what the hell. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I, I, I mean, I think we're going to be wondering about the next thing for... I could spend... I think... Me and you could probably spend hours discussing and trying to figure out what the probably. hell the thing's going to be. A friend and I were discussing a couple weeks ago, and we came up with the, the P Watch. <laughs> I don't know how, but it's a it's like it's like the Apple Watch. But you're <laughs> so you can you can scroll through Twitter while you're peeing. The Nintendo condom. Um, this, this, <laughs> yes, um, but who knows? I don't know. It, but going back to Wada, it you know it's it's sad. Uh, it's like he's he, like you like you said like. And that's a great point with a lot of people on Twitter is like, and there's even some younger people on there. People like, you know, we're in our mid twenties, so we didn't get the we didn't we weren't in there in the golden era of like the NES and Super Nintendo, but um, so we didn't get the the full you know kind of venture of him in the gaming industry. But you and me, we grew mm-hmm. up on Nintendo games. A lot of those the games that, and we didn't I didn't even know it until the last couple of weeks that he was he had a big hand on. Some of my favorite games growing up as a kid. Very true. Um, Gold and Silver and Smash Brothers being uh, the two big ones. Um, I'm like reading a little so list here for, right now as well. It's like I'm just reading a little uh, news article thing right here. It's like for like the ten things that he did do. There was like for one, he made your Pokemon battle with uh, the red possible. You know, in Pokemon Gold and Silver, he let you fight Mario <laughs> as Link inside Super Smash Brothers. He brought you the Nintendo three like Nintendo DS, the Wii. He made it so that Super Smash Bros. Melee was available for Christmas. He brought yep. Earthbound back from the brink after it's, like, uh, early development hell and, like, sketchy code. He did the same thing with Pokemon Stadium as well in the N64. He let you learn people's names. He brought you Balloon Fight twice. That's right. Yeah, probably that was his first big one, <laughs> Yeah, actually. for once on the NES and then on uh, for the Wii U again and stuff for Nintendo Land. Uh-huh. Which has gotten really hilarious at that at that moment, <laughs> yeah. But now, like I said, it's it's a bit of a downer week for I think the gaming industry and Nintendo fans alike. Um, I just gotta say, thank you, Mister Iwata. Uh, rest oh, in of power. Of course, rest in power. Uh, but um, I don't really know how to move on from that. Um, that's why I want to save it for the end. Uh, do we want to do? Do you have a retro? Game yes, of the I do week? have a retro game of the week, and this one is going to be a little bit special. It's going to be Balloon Fight. Now, Balloon nice. Fight is a really old NES game, which was developed by Satoru Iwata. But here's the thing: this game is structured like an arcade game, so you can easily go forth and play the single-player portion of it to accumulate high-score stuff. Or you can actually go with the balloon trip where it has you navigating around obstacle course things and stuff and trying to avoid, like, uh, electrical currents and stuff from the clouds. You have to collect, like, random balloons and stuff like that in order to get higher scores. It's a really fun game. It can be really addictive, too. But the thing about the game is the control style is a little bit weird, too, because it sort of has a sort of... It sort of has, like, a floaty type of style to where you have to precisely like tap the a button when you want to navigate around things i mean i got it so like when i'm doing the first player mode that during the first couple courses i may take out like three or four like uh, balloon guys and stuff before they actually set float but uh the thing about balloon fight itself is it's a really cool like pick up and play experience 
and it kind of brings to mind how Nintendo, like even before, like Apple started putting a lot of their smaller games on their iPods and stuff like that, and their iPhones. Nintendo was pretty much one of the first ones to really put out games where you could just basically put down, pick up and play for a few minutes at a time, and then just go forth and do whatever you're doing. I'm finding that Balloon Fight is really fun to play on the go, especially on the 3DS. Since I had that Ambassador Program stuff, that was one of the few games that was offered as free. I play it on off and on occasionally when I'm like uh, trans, like I'm going on, you know, going from here to there when I'm doing like transportation stuff. It's just really fun because I'm racking up scores. I'm like, and the music is really catchy too and stuff. It has that little mini game where you have to collect twenty balloons within a set time limit. And uh, well, yeah, that's just basically in about the game. It's really simple. It's not too complex. It's basically you collecting balloons, taking out bad guys. It's just, it's just fun. That's just the importance of the game itself. It's like it doesn't really care. You don't, you know, it's not really like uh, important what you're trying to accomplish. It's just that you're having some fun going forth and just popping balloons and collecting high score stuff. You know, so. That's pretty much the retro game of the week, Balloon Fight. Nice. That's that is very much appropriate. Um, I just want to thank you guys for listening uh, this week to episode one hundred and eight. Um, if you want to hear more from us, uh, we are on uh, Facebook. We have a page in a group, Generation Gaming. So go ahead and like and subscribe on there, um, or like and join. I guess you can subscribe on uh, Facebook. <laughs> um, we are uh, Gen Gaming Net um, on Twitter. YouTube and Twitch, so follow, subscribe, and like us on there. Um, but other than that, I have been your host this week, and I'm the Jack Tyler. of Hearts. Uh, thank you guys for listening. Love you. Yeah, GG. He was making his own video games when he was in high school, using nothing but a calculator. So cool. Then he went to Hal Laboratory, straight out of university. They were on the verge of bankruptcy. They made him president, and he saved the day. Balloon fight, Earthbound, Kirby, Pokemon, the DS, and the Wii. From the streets. To become the president of Nintendo Satoru In my mind, I'm a game developer, but in my heart, I'm a gamer. Hiroshi Yamauchi handpicked Iwata. Nintendo wasn't doing so well, but under his leadership, they made a comeback. The Wii and DS would sell and sell, but as of late, the things have slowed down. He wasn't one to spread the blame around. In this time of need, he took half salary and he looked to the future. Animal Crossing, Zelda, Mario. Large and small, he took on any task. He made tough decisions, and he never needed to apologize. And he goofed off on Iwata. Satoru In my mind, I'm a game.